Radio Ambulante is NPR's only Spanish language podcast. Listen for stories you won't hear anywhere else told by the voices that make Latin America come alive. Each week we bring you another remarkable story that will surprise and move you. Radio Ambulante, new episodes every Tuesday. Listen and subscribe. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. That is the sound of the game changing. The opening strains of Santana's second album, Abraxas, are about as clear an indication as you can get that the sound of popular music was about to change. And while the first Santana album, released in 1969, introduced pop music to African-influenced Caribbean music, it was their second album, released a year later, that refined the concept into nine meticulously crafted songs and melodies that endure even five decades later. This week on Alt Latino, we're going to celebrate Abraxas with an interview with one of the album's sonic architects, drummer Michael Shreve. And you know, the influence of the album defies category. So this week I invited another musician, guitarist Vernon Reed of the band Living Color, to help explain how the tapestry of sounds and traditions has captivated so many musicians that came along in its wake. We'll get right into the interview, but first, let's hear more of the track Singing Winds and Crying Beasts. The first track of Side One of Abraxas by Santana. First of all, welcome both Vernon Reed and Michael Shree. Vernon, welcome to Alt Latino. Hey, man, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And Michael Shree, welcome back to Alt Latino. Yeah, great to see you again, Felix, and great to see you, Vernon. Yeah, man, good to see you. It's been a while. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. You know, hearing our favorite albums often takes us right back to the moment when we first heard them. I think we all have that same experience. And I think what we want to do this week is ex expound on that concept a little bit by asking you, Michael, what you recall from those days when you made this album. You just recently downloaded a version and you listened again. 
What kind of memories come flooding back to you? I mean, it's interesting because it makes me recall music that I was listening to or what the band was listening to. So how all those elements came together to make this particular record at that particular time. And the individuals in the group bring their own favorites, you know, to the table that they they love enough to kind of push, want it to be a part of the bouquet, you know. The first album was material that they were already doing before I even joined the group. The second album, when I listened to it, it's remarkable how quickly we kind of jumped levels into well, a bit of a different place, you know. It became kind of sophisticated really quickly in some ways, but didn't lose any of the, the rawness or the essence. Vernon, did this album have any influence on you wanting to become a guitarist? I mean, I can't really overstate the impact it had on me. I remember hearing Black Magic Woman on the radio. You know, it just drew me in from that first kind of organ figure, you know what I mean? Yeah. The setup of it. The is, setup, yeah, yeah. It's so dramatic before the guitar comes in. Yes. And yeah. then when the guitar comes in, and it goes like, da 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 the guitar really seemed like a voice. Carlos's guitar and Hendrix and, and all of that, Abraxas and the Band of Gypsies record were like the one-two punch wow. for me that really dragged me into the conversation about guitar. Magic Woman to Greg Raleigh from the Fleetwood Mac version. I said, oh, man, I think that you would sing this song very well. And then slowly an arrangement started coming. And you can see at this point also on the first album as well that Carlos crafted these guitar parts so that they were kind of embedded in time. He was writing melodies. He wasn't just blowing, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, don't turn your back on me, baby. Stop messing around with your tricks Don't turn your back on me, baby You just might pick up my
And then, of course, you know, with the Gypsy Queen being there, that's one of Carlos's major influences, Gabor Zabo. That's Gabor Zabo, the Hungarian jazz guitarist who lived in the Bay Area back then. The phrasing and that Gypsy vibe, but also rhythm-wise, I was influenced by that drummer, Chico Hamilton. Right. Mm. Gabor was a huge influence on Carlos, which I think is a unique influence on his choice mm -hmm. of notes, right? Mm -hmm. Apparently what Jimmy said to Carlos when he first met him was, I like your notes. <laughs> wow. I've always thought that Oye Como Va, I always thought it was brilliant. And what's special about it, it's not really different from the original, but you guys just elevated it and gave it a whole new thing. It's just a brilliant idea. That's Bill Graham, the San Francisco rock promoter. Now, Bill was a big fan of the band, but Bill was a big fan of New York salsa music. He was familiar with Tito Puente, and he thought it would be a great song for us to do, you know? And just the electricity of it, I think, as well. I remember when we first went to New York, went to um, Corso's, the uh, Latin dance club where Tito used to play. And that was a revelation. For me to figure out what to play with these percussionists, that was new for me. I didn't play any Latin music. I mean, if anything, I was jazz and R&B. So kind of for me, it was just like, okay, how do you stay out of the way and just be a part of that river, that groove? So anything I did, I did not play like Latin players whatsoever in, in Santana. I let them do that. My whole rhythm is swing on the cymbal. 
So I think that that combination was unique in itself, like the way everybody played. It wasn't New York players, you know. You are listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. I'm talking about Santana's Abraxas album with drummer Michael Shreve and guitarist Vernon Reed. Abraxas has this mood. It's almost like a twilight mood that goes through the entire record to me. It's not like dark, but it's kind of like the sun is going down for me on the on this album. Yeah, yeah. And like you talk about, well, it wasn't like authentically Latin, but it, you, you created in the collisions you created something really new. You created something very unique. Yeah. It was a unique kind of soundscape that sustained through the whole album. You know, when you think about it, it had the various styles of Latin music, not authentic, not in clave, but your version of these various traditions, like mambo. Got your spell on me, baby. Got your spell on me, baby. Cha-cha-cha. Santeria influenced 6-8. A merengue. A guaguanco. And a bolero. 
and it all came together in this really fantastic combination of sounds and influences.
That was Samba Pati from the album Abraxas by Santana. We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of that album with the original drummer from Santana, Michael Shreve, and a world-renowned guitarist who was heavily influenced by the album, Vernon Reed from the band Living Color. And Vernon, we were talking about how the band interpreted Latin music traditions on the record. What's your take on all that? The purists had to be outraged. Yes, I think that even Tito Puente's band, I think they had an edge about it at first, you know. You were young guys, and it's kind of like, how dare you? And this is the thing about tradition. You know, tradition is beautiful. And traditions, I understand upholding traditions. But traditions were at one time some wild-eyed person's brand new idea. (laughs) And the brand new idea gets codified. And then my son is going to play this and my daughter is going to do that. And then suddenly it's the thing that everybody does. But people forget that everything was like, yo, I want to do this thing. And everybody at every stage says, you're crazy. You're nuts. You can't do that. And then all of a sudden everything changes. All these different things that were not supposed to be together, they were together, which is the story of jazz, which is the story of rock and roll. And yep. then it becomes, oh, well, now, you know what? That thing, don't, you know, you know what? Don't move from that point. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, y- y'all wasn't saying that two years ago. I mean, it's wild how this kind of orthodoxy will creep in. And then that becomes the defining, you know, this is, you know, like, you know, the bebop. They were wild. They were, they were nuts. They were completely like, you can't. You can't do that, and we're doing it. And that's the, you know, and you, and it's like you just kind of, and yeah. eventually, you guys, what you did, you changed Latin music. You changed, I mean, you changed rock and roll music. Yeah. But you also changed Latin music. And also, the other part of this that was really had a huge impact on me was you can bring your ethnicity to what rock and roll music is. Mm-hmm. Like that to me was very big.
Michael, let me ask you, I mean, you say that you don't listen to the old stuff very often and you had to listen to to remind yourself. But as you listened and as we talk and as we note this anniversary, can you appreciate what a game changer the album was and, and the way this collective sort of came together to make this distinctive sound and in particular this classic album? Can you appreciate it now as a game changer? I, I can appreciate it now as... Um as a game changer. It also, anytime you reflect on something, and it, especially if you're involved in it, you're so close to it that it's kind of a normal thing for you. But what you, if you pull back the lens and you see what the context it was of everything going on in that time, musically and socially, politically, and then you, you kind of see the impact through a different eyes, you know, through a different point of view. To us, we were just in this world. I mean, that's the way a, a good band works, is you create your own world. You just make it great for what it is, and you don't question it. You just go, and then it comes out, and then people like it, hopefully. But the lesson, in retrospect, with that kind of thing is trust yourself. Like, we trusted ourselves as a band. We were getting to really like recognize each individual's talents. We were at our best in terms of relationship and music making. And when you go through that as a group, and, and Vernon can speak to this, there's nothing else like it, you know? There's just mm -hmm. nothing like it, man. It's a moment in time yeah. and you can it try is. to recapture it, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. even when we got together with this last record for the reunion of you know, Santana 4, I mean, from the very first day, we could see that there was chemistry and it was still there. So Vernon Reed, thank you so much for being a part of this, man. This is really special to, to have you be part of this interview. Yeah, thank you. And this is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, man. Thank you. This is fantastic. And Michael Shreve, thank you for coming back to Alt Latino talking about Abraxas. And can I get you guys, can we put a, something on the calendar now, two years from now, to talk about Caravan Sarai? I'm in. All right. Michael, you in? Yeah, I'm in. Okay, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you being part of this. And again, Michael, congratulations on the 50th anniversary. It's, it's a landmark album, and you should be proud to be a part of it, man. Thank you, Felix, for bringing attention to it, shining a light on it again. And thank you, Brian. How did Abraxas impact your own listening habits? Drop us a line on social media. We're NPR's Alt Latino on Facebook and Twitter. You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please be careful out there. Music